Hello and welcome to the next episode of Sug Sound. It is the 13th of August. It is a Monday, luckily not a Friday for some, and this is Sug Sound. Thank you so much for joining me. It's a pleasure to have you listening to the podcast and I've had really good feedback over the last couple of days. People have been really happy and and loved this podcast. We have a new logo. Please do check it out on my Twitter at HugoSug or on my Instagram at HugoSug. Yeah, any social media you can think of, it's probably at HugoSug to find me. Uh, so yeah, we have a new logo and people have really, really loved the show so far, especially yesterday's episode where we talked about Boris Johnson's burqa comments for students in Bangladesh suffering the most atrocious treatment by the government. And we talked about the possibility, or I ranted about the possibility, of a second EU referendum after we have the deal. I'm going to be discussing with a self-proclaimed political commentator, Duncan Cushionan, about the possibilities of a second EU referendum before we leave the EU in March 2019. Duncan and I will be discussing the pros and cons and we will be evaluating the arguments for a second referendum and against the second referendum. So please do stay tuned for that. And, would you believe, that is going to be the topic of this podcast. But first, can you remember the last time a MP was up in court on an offence. Yeah, I've got silence too. I've got nothing. I can't recall the last time I remember an MP being in court. Well, today that will change when a Labour MP who was elected in last year in 2017 was up in the Old Bailey today charged with the offence of perverting the course of justice. Peterborough Labour MP Fiona Onasanya, 34, appeared at the court charged with perverting the course of justice. Her brother Festus Onasanya, 33, denied three counts of the same offence. They are both due to face trial at the same court on the 12th of November. Naughty, naughty, naughty MP. It brings more turmoil for the Labour Party. We have the anti-Semitism crisis going on. We have Jeremy Corbyn today defending why he was laying reefs at a, quote, terror memorial, end quote. And uh, yeah, I mean, OK, so if you're going to say, oh, I'm being a bit kind of attacking the left. If you listen to the podcast, which I released yesterday, I'm massively attacking the Conservatives and Boris Johnson. So I just thought I'd balance it out today with a bit of Labour. And we're back to the EU referendum debate. Should we have a second one? I'm joined with Duncan Cushionan, a self-proclaimed political commentator. Hello, Duncan. Hello, Hugo. How are you today? I am good. I am good. How are you? I'm very well and all the better for being on this show. <laughs> Thanks for coming on. It's great to have you. So, Duncan, you're a political commentator. I would say I am as well, but I don't proclaim myself to be. Self, selfishly, anyway. What is a people's vote? 
Well, a people's vote is, well, it's quite simply in the name, really, when you think about it. It's a vote by the people. Uh, this is a specific campaign created to get the government to hold a second referendum on membership of the EU. Uh, well, not membership on the EU per se, but a vote on the final Brexit deal. Now, technically, that is different to the referendum we had two years ago on the basis that was to leave or not. Because for all we know, we don't know what the final deal may be. So if this people's vote got enough traction, it could come down to, yes, we'll have a people's vote and your options are stay, leave no deal or leave with deal A, B or C. So it's not necessarily a leave or remain. It could be a more who wants to be a millionaire's for multiple choice answer question. <laughs> I like that. Who wants to be a millionaire? I love how. But you're sadly, comparing... this time we won't have any lifelines. Well, true, true. But I love how you're comparing it to a game show. Um, you know, our whole life politics is a game show at the moment, isn't it? Come on, we have the 2017 general election, which was just, yeah. Anyway, a huge gamble which backfired on, on our poor old Theresa May. I say, which does bring in a. In interesting dynamics to a vote because if this campaign got enough support and enough pressure was put on the government to hold such a, a vote uh, if another referendum would that trigger another general election because would that be seen as a loss of confidence in the current government and don't forget the current government it is a hung parliament technically and it because it only has a uh, supply and demand deal with the um, the DUP. So the DUP went, no, we're backing off. Are, are the Conservatives going to form a minority government or would there be the votes in Parliament say, well, hang on a minute here. You don't, you don't have the confidence of the people. Can you continue? OK, so it's really important to note that about a month ago, on the 16th of July, Theresa May and Number 10 Downing Street ruled out a second referendum, full stop. Absolutely ruled you, out. You... And, and also, just to, just to make a point, so in, in, going back to the election, there was no, in the Labour manifesto or the Conservative manifesto, there was no commitment to a people's vote or a second referendum. There was a commitment in both in the Conservative manifesto to leave the customs union, to leave the single market, to leave a, a jurisdiction of a European court on human rights. There was a manifesto pledge to get ourselves and cut all ties away from the EU. There wasn't a manifesto pledge for a people's vote. That is true, but I, I, I think it's interesting how you say Theresa May ruled out a second referendum yeah do you, do you do you know what she ruled out when she became party leader in her first in her first <laughs> interview on major a, television a general with probably election. the country's foremost political interviewer and the andrew marshall with cameras pointing at her she said i will not hold another general election yeah and would no. you know within a couple of years she did <clears> and I'm sure later in the show, if not now, you're going to say, but we can't have a second referendum. There's no legal basis. There's no legislation to have one. Which is but true. Surely but we'll with that, that. We, when she called that snap general election, when she actually went, no, we are going to have a general election. 
There's no legislation for that. The legislation said, no, you've got to continue for five years because of the Fixed Term Parliament Act. So she then had to go to Parliament, ask for a vote to ask if she could have a general election. Now, why can that not that same logic not apply here? Why can we not someone ask, say, hang on, let's have a vote on if we can have a refer second referendum? Because the uh, may, I mean, let's discuss it now and we might touch on, on it uh, in another bit of a sh in the show. But so to hold the 2016 referendum on the 23rd of June 2016, David Cameron and the majority Conservative government at the time had to put through the European Union Referendum Act 2015 to legally set in stone a, quote, advisory, end quote, referendum. OK, advisory is quite key here. Um, but there, there had to be legislation put in place to actually enact legally a referendum. Now, for a general election, <clears throat> you talk about the Fixed Term Parliaments Act. Yes, that's true. Uh, Theresa May did have to go to the Commons for a supermajority, so two-thirds or more of the MPs, so 650, two-thirds or more of those, to get a general election. But what's really important, and the difference is, you do not need legislation to hold a general election but you do need legislation to hold a national referendum. So, but there's no there's there's no reason to say we couldn't put that legislation in place. So at the moment, about two hundred and twenty MPs back a second referendum or a people's vote. To pass a vote, there would have to be at least half of the amount of uh, people in the chamber at that time voting through for the legislation to uh, push for a second referendum. Now, it's really important to note that this the People's Vote campaign has been going for eight months. Not one MP, backbench MP, of any party, especially not the Lib Dems, has tabled a private member's bill or an opposition day debate or a 10-minute rule bill to get a second referendum on the books. Now... We're in summer recess at the moment. They come back next month in September. The deal comes... Barring, barring a national emergency. Barring a national emergency, yes. But my, this isn't a national emergency. But my point is, so they come back in September. The deal is due before Parliament in October. And then we're due to leave in March. And then have the implementation period. There is no possibility in time for a private member's bill, because let's face it, the government have absolutely ruled it out for the moment. There is no, so the only way to do it is a private member's bill, or it starts in the Lord, Lords, and there's no appetite in the Lords for it. There is not enough time to start a private member's bill, get that passed through all the stages, and then have a date for a referendum, then have the campaigns, and then have like implementation of that result before we leave in March 2019. There is no physical time in the House of Commons, in the legislative, to actually do that. Physically. Whether we want one or not is a completely different matter. Like the whole country could be for a, se a second referendum. But no MP or no Lord has actually taken that step to introduce 
legislation to try and get that set in stone and the campaign's been going eight months <laughs> and silence falls on Duncan I think that's the first time I've ever heard Duncan completely stone silent after I said something yes but the issue I'd then put forward is simply <laughs> is it not only a matter of time and pressure with a campaign because you say this campaign's only been going eight months Let, let's stop it what's the point you know we, we've had it Surely the same should have been said about Nigel Farage. We had our referendum in 1975. You've got to live with it. Shut up about your your, your want for another referendum on it. Shut up. We, we've had it. There isn't the appetite for it. Go away. We didn't. We let him campaign. We let his campaign go on. And ultimately did lead to a second referendum. So, yeah, Nigel Farage. Now, he, um, he's been in the background for the last, what, 25 25- years of British politics fighting for us to get out of the EU bearing in mind he's a member of the European Parliament and takes a lovely salary from being in the organisation he hates but that's by the by um, he it's important to note that actually you know Nigel Farage didn't give us a second referendum David Cameron did Nigel Farage just yapped at the heels of the Conservative Party enough for David Cameron to submit and actually a majority of Parliament voted through a second referendum on both sides of the House. So if we replaced Nigel Farage with the people yakking at Theresa May or Parliament, would they frequent? David Cameron frequented Farage. Yeah, over a 25-year period... Not not a, what, seven-month period before we actually are due to leave on March the 29th, 2019. It's very true. But why can't this campaign be going for eight months? Why can't it go for another however long is needed? There's no reason to say stop. So Let it go on. So think about the time when Cameron called it to the time when it was actually held. And there was a good four or five months. And that's, and that, I mean, God, people have said that wasn't enough. So in every referendum, you've got to have an official status quo campaign, if you like, and a, an official opposition campaign. Um, and I'm being very choice with my words there because who knows what they would be called. Um, and... You have to have a sustained period of time for those campaigns to actually take traction on either sense, or otherwise, will people just stay with the status quo because it's easier? Which is what a lot of people in referendums do. They stay at home, and not all the time, but they stay at home because they, you know, that's kind of them voting with the status quo, and it's the people who actually go out and vote who decide the result, which is common sense but my my point is you need traction you need time to be able to get to the, the people and we we have a leave date march 2019 if i recall correctly is the time the day in which we, we, we we've got to go we've got to say bye bye and have an implementation period but yes march yes. 29th but if you look at the people's vote campaign it isn't <laughs> a vote 
to have a second referendum on leaving or staying. It's a vote on the final deal. Now, we're currently August of 2018. The final deal as such will be in place by March 2019. So you could set campaign and say, well, we're going to have the, the, the people's vote, the second referendum in February 2019, because at that point, we'll know what the final deal would be, or we would hope one month before we are due to leave, the government would have a final deal. We know what the other options are, leave, stay, they're a given. You could have that re that referendum tomorrow and those options will be on the ballot because they are a given. So you, you could plan ahead and say, right, if we don't have a final deal at this point, we're screwed anyway, so it doesn't really matter. But then... Article 50 runs out on the 29th of March 2019 and there's no precedent to extend it because in in the treaty uh, that the EU has with EU member states, it says you have two years. Now, Theresa May triggered, triggered that um, a year and six months ago and we have until March 29th, 2019 to get a deal and ratify that deal and so it's coming before parliament in october in uk parliament british parliament in october or that's a plan from the government anyway and then from october to march it gives the eu member states and the eu parliament and all the different processes uh in brussels to ratify the deal too so <clears throat> that's why there's such a gap between October and March is actually for the EU to get their heads together and actually get a deal. So if we have a so-called people's vote in February, the deal's already been passed by... Uh, I mean, this is uh, plucking that the deal... This is plucking the idea that the deal is actually... That goes through Parliament in the UK... Well, well, there's one thing going through our parliament. There's another it being approved by EU two seven. But but that's but that's my point. So, if we had a vote in February, two thousand and nineteen, it's already passed our parliament. <laughs> our MPs have already voted on whether they approve the deal, want to, or 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 not actually approve the deal. We've already had that. And actually, what I would say is. Because we live in a representative democracy where we elect representatives to represent 650 constituencies in the UK, which represents every single member uh, citizen of the United Kingdom, um, we effectively put our power of a so-called people's vote and our opinions in our MPs we elect in our local areas at the general elections. So my, my point is... In 2017, we already had this so-called people's vote because we elected the electorate elected MPs who will then have a decision in October or whenever the deal becomes uh, in front of our parliament to vote yes or no. And the way we lobby, or the way we uh, tell our MPs whether we like the deal or not is by lobbying them not going back to the people because we don't live in a direct democracy as much as partly I want us to. Though I think one...
fallacy with that logic as such. It would be the view that when we had the 29 general election, you're definitively voting for certain items of the manifesto because I could guarantee you could walk into the street, you could ask hundreds if not thousands of people, what are the odds of you finding somebody that agreed with every single item in the manifesto of a party? I don't. Do such people exist? No. Because a general election, whilst that was part of it on the future of Brexit, the future of EU membership, referendum, it's also about the domestic matters. It's about NHS funding, police funding, school funding. It's about local governance funding. It's about defence. It's about foreign policy. It's about... Homelessness. uh, What colour post boxes are. That's 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 local elections. Come on, that's more local than it is national. Do I don't. You, know, I, do you see colour of letter boxes that? in national manifestos? You never know. With recent <laughs> uh, affairs, it could become part of the agenda. Um, are you are you part of the monster raving loony party, Duncan? <laughs> No, but up until a couple of years ago, it would have been a national matter because the post office was a, a, a national institution until it was privatised. All right, all so right. So it would have been a, a, a national matter, but we, we're digressing here. The, the <laughs> yeah, point I'm making say. is that a general election was not just about Brexit. It was about every which way, every running of the country, how every penny is spent in the budget. Oh, completely, completely. But what I would say is, uh, do do you think by having, honestly though, do you think by having a second referendum um, or a people's vote on the final deal with an option to stay in the EU, which is what the people's vote are effectively pushing for, is that democratic? Yes, because if, if people are voting... By definition, it is. If the people are telling the government what to do, that is democracy. If the people are having their say, it is democracy. Okay, but the argument stands that the people had their say in 2016 on the 23rd of June. So so logically, we, we can't have another vote two years later because we've already voted. We can't change that. So are we now going to say, actually, we should rescind the 2017 general election because we had an election two years prior to that. That should stick. That should stay because we've had our vote. We've had our stay. No, we would say we're going to have another general election. We're going to vote again. We're going to get a new government in. We don't just say once it's done, it is stuck. Part of our democracy is the very reason that you can change votes. Ah. Look at the amount of times we appeal laws. Ah. We give pardons. Yeah, now you, you're saying about changing your minds and change your votes. <clears throat> I am, I'm all for that. But what you, what you have in a general election, but, but the timescales of a general election, no matter how short, you see out of Parliament. So the people, so, the peop- so you vote in a general election and you elect an MP and a party comes into power or a parties come into power. And then you see a general election through and then you go back to the people. But the point is, the process of that parliament has already happened. So my point is, you uh, you fulfil that parliament, you fulfil that decision you made as a country 
for that um, government to to stay in power, whatever. Obviously, uh, MPs can bring down a government at any point with a vote of no confidence and they have 14 days to get back the confidence or otherwise it's an automatic general election. But my point is, like I ranted on uh, yesterday's uh, episode of Sug Sound, was I am not against having a debate whether we should stay in the EU or not or whether we should go back into the EU or have a second referendum. I'm not against it. What I'm against is having it before we've carried out the first one. So you don't, like, in 2016, 52% of the electorate, and that's really important, so 17.4 million people voted leave. What I say, and this is logic, is you, you leave the EU and then you open up that debate about should we go back in, can we go back in, or are we better off out? And actually, you see the effects of that decision. Bearing in mind, we haven't actually left yet. So um, if you take it to... So 2016, let's put this into a general election term. 2016 was the general election. March 29th, 2019 is the state opening of Parliament and the Queen's speech. So you haven't actually started the pro. You haven't actually initiated what you voted for until we've actually done it. So when it comes to March twenty ninth, two thousand nineteen, and people go, "Okay, I want us to have a vote to get back in," I'll be uh, by all means go for it because we've already left. We've already enacted the last one. We've already had the kind of metaphorical Queen speech you can now bring down uh, that process and reignite another debate. I'm not against that. What I'm against is trying to break uh, democracy of the last vote to uh, favour another one prior to us leaving. But the thing is, it is underway. We triggered Article 50. We started negotiations. We've had several suggestions, white papers and contributions by the EU rejected. We've seen a huge shift in the status quo. We're seeing ourselves potentially being kicked out of core agreements, which during the refer even during the referendum, both like even the EU, they didn't tr- say too much, but even parts of it were saying, well, you know, no defence, as your government says, non-negotiable, we're going to remain strong defensive allies. And it, uh, now we see actually we're being sidelined. Galileo, no, you can't be a part of that anymore. Uh, we're not necessarily going to give you a refund of your billion either. And we, we, we've started formulating this deal that we're going to vote on in October in our parliament. And once that's voted on, for all intents and purposes, that is the final deal. That is what leave will be. The other option is leave without a deal, crash out and like we saw in the referendum, like now, we still have so many economic forecasts. The governor of the Bank of England, let's let's not forget whom is independent from the government, saying, no, it's going to be bad. We've got Airbus, who employs a lot of people in this country, saying, oh, I would prefer you not to, you know, we might have to shift operations. We've already seen banks uh, reduce staff counts here so they can open up offices in the EU, and that's all just banking on that we have a deal. If we don't have a deal, 
things can be a lot worse. So surely it would be logical then to go, right, we know what the different outcomes are going to be. Leave with the final deal. Leave without a deal. Or maybe remain. So why can we not vote one day after we agree on what the final deal is, rather than after we enact the final deal or leave without a deal? Okay, so it's important to note, though, that you've given two options for leave. We leave with a deal and we leave without a deal. Why is the people's vote, and let's face it, they're not calling for this, why aren't the people's vote just calling for we will have a people's vote on the deal, not have this option for remain? Because the moment you add the remain option, you are completely... um, throwing away the 2016 vote and disenfranchising um, 17.4 million people who voted. Leave. Well, that's to say 17.4 million people, A, haven't changed their minds, B, being misled. I mean, the Electoral Commission did find vote leave violated election law. Um Let's let's not even start talking about how people were misled and lied to. Yes, I'm talking about that bus. Oh, completely, completely. I'm I'm not I'm not saying they haven't been. I'm I'm you know I'm not disputing that. But what I'm saying is, the moment you have this element of oh maybe we could remain, that's not that's disrespecting democracy. I'm all for. Though, let me ask you, if that is disrespecting a democracy, how would it be different by be, by going and booking an appointment at your MP's surgery to say, vote against it, vote to remain? How, how are either of those very different? Because they are both giving the exact same outcome. They are both telling a member of parliament to vote to favour remain. How are they different? Tell me. Because because we don't have a process of public referenda to to determine government policy in this country. We don't. Yet yet every referendum we have had has determined government policy. The 1975 one, because of that, we stayed in the EEC. When we had the referendum on the alternative voting system we voted it down and the government didn't change it and now when we voted to leave the european union the government followed that decision so to say it does not change or influence government policy is wrong because whilst they are non-binding they certainly do they certainly tell parliament what to do yeah no but but, uh, yeah no i get that but bearing in mind all the other uh stayed with the status quo and this uh didn't this changed the status quo that's an important observation to make and also you elect MPs to make decisions on your behalf we don't have a direct democracy why why can't we start if what? anything we, we you know we've got the traction for it in the past few years was it 2011 we had the AV vote EU referendum then, if this campaign Scottish goes forward, referendum gets enough as well. steam, a final deal referendum. We had a Scottish is... referendum as well, and we had a Welsh devolution referendum, which no one's ever heard of, ever, but I did, 
because I've researched referendum. Um, so, so what, what, what is to say we don't start direct democracy now with more referendums? For, oh, what, completely. Why, why rule out this one as the start? Why say, oh, we can't have that one as the beginning one. That would be wrong. Because, I, as I said, you know, if, if there is just on the ballot paper, should we leave with the deal that the government has agreed with the EU or shall we not leave... Oh, sorry, shall we leave without a deal? I would have more truck with that. I might not agree with it fully, but I would certainly have more truck with it. The fact that this Remain is somewhat creeping in and you've got the ironic titled party Liberal Democrats saying they just want to completely reverse the referendum decision and completely exit from Brexit. And... Into, how ironic with a name like Liberal Democrats. They're anything but why, Democratic. Why, why not? Because you've constantly reiterated in this podcast that the referendum is a non-binding government, doesn't have to pay by it. So why should the Liberal Democrats, if anything, they're following what you're saying, let's, but, ignore, it, let's ignore these referendums. We don't have to follow them. They're advisory. But the government wouldn't have to follow the people's vote result anyway. If a, if a people's vote... if. Uh, 53% voted remain, like in the YouGov poll last week of 10,000 people, not 17.4 million, but 10,000 people, the government wouldn't have to enact it anyway. So the people's vote might vote remain, and the government are like, huh, that was advisory, lol. Yeah, and we'd probably see the fall of a government if that happened. Yeah, but, but that's my point. If... But if we don't carry out this leave vote, we're going to see the fall of this government because 17.4 million people will go, hang on a bloody minute, whether I've changed my mind since or not, I still voted. I still went out on the 23rd of June 2016 between the hours of 7am and 10pm and voted. Uh, Hang on a minute. (laughs) You're trying to reverse that. No, you said you committed to carrying out the result of a referendum. Labour committed to carry out the result of a referendum, although they're in a complete dogpile at the moment. Let's not talk about that. But they've committed to leaving the EU if they suddenly came into power tomorrow. Um, it, it, you, can't, you can't suddenly turn around... The government can't suddenly turn around to the electorate and go, huh, by the way, the last two years was a complete waste of time. We're staying anyway. That really would be the fall of a government. I know, I know. It would be so, so strange, so unwieldy if the government would say, right, we're going to do something, and then very soon after, change their mind, completely reverse well, Not very soon after, two it, years it, later. It, it would be, it'd be like saying we're going to tax pasties, and then all of a sudden, actually, no, we're not going because the people don't like it. Yeah, exactly. So my, I think you're siding on me in here. But my point is, let's not reverse what happened in 2016 purely because some people are butthurt that we didn't vote to remain. Let's be honest. Yeah, though, 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 I think you just missed my point there that governments are known for having new turns. They do reverse decisions. And why can the people not reverse a decision? Because if we held a referendum, a second one, on the final deal and one of the options was remain and that got well it 
actually, it'd have to get the largest vote shared, not necessarily the largest number of votes, because if Leave and Leave Without a Deal between them had more votes than Remain, uh, but each individually had less, you'd go with the Leave, because obviously the consensus is for leaving in one form or another. Bearing in mind that so, a referendum is a complete uh, single vote and every vote counts, unlike our general election system where it's first past the post and people argue that not every vote counts and there's tactical voting and stuff so a referendum is literally a level pegging vote and it really does count on an equal measure to the next person's vote yes yeah, but let, let me finish let me finish so i was just clarifying that for listeners who may not know that okay um well, what i was going to say is if remain got all those votes I'm sorry, but you, you, you might think, oh, the government's now overwriting my decision. But it's, at the same time, it's like, but they are enacting the decision and the will of the people now because the will of the people has, seems to have changed. So are you saying that the person would say, ah, you, I, I hate how the government is disrespecting democracy because they seem to have overwritten my vote. But, but by doing that, they're essentially saying, I can't believe the, uh, the government is following direct democracy by following the new vote. But you can't cherry-pick democracy. They're not cherry... If, if it's a second vote, it's not cherry-picking. It's literally going, we're going to listen to the pulse of the people but, again. Yeah, yeah, it's, but, it's but, get but, for me, but for me, it's not actually about saying we shouldn't have another vote. I'm not... It's about the timing of that second vote. It's not me saying we shouldn't ever, ever have another referendum on membership of the EU. I'm not saying that at all. And I, as I said yesterday, I fully welcome the debate to go back in because the country's divided, whether, what, whatever um, way you cut the cake, it's divided. It's, you know, half a country wants to remain, half a country wants to leave on a general scale. Um, so either way you cut it, you're never going to please the other half. Um so I'm not against uh, having that may, may, may I just make a, a, a little um, but somewhat pertinent tangent here if unless you uh, uh, really uh, unless if you can hold your point for a moment yeah obviously you're saying half 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 but let's not forget um, three out of the five areas members of the union that voted voted to remain so let's not forget there is also the strain on the union. Yeah. As much as the people. Okay. But but SNP are opportunistics and want another national um independence referendum because they're but hurt that they didn't get independence in two thousand and fourteen. Wales doesn't really have a voice at the moment because it doesn't. Northern Ireland is obviously a very, very contentious issue on the whole EU debate but also because they actually have no um, devolved government there and they haven't for a year or so Um, I get what you mean but you can't just go okay the country's in a certain state let's have another referendum and see what the people want now also let's not forget uh, Spain essentially holds a veto from when the EU held their initial vote uh, legislation 
to say how they would vote on it. Spain holds a, a, a veto that could potentially fracture our country by dividing one section of it from another. And don't forget, at the time Spain has de defied the Clear Skies Agreement, so planes couldn't fly on their airspace to, to get between parts of our country. I don't know enough about this, Mr. Defence Journalist. Um, I, I honestly can't... I, I am, of course, talking about Gibraltar, which yeah. also voted in the referendum, and Spain holds a veto over that they could, they could play at any part, say, yeah, we're happy with your deal, as long as it doesn't apply to Gibraltar. OK, so, all right, all right. Let's take it that we vote to remain. We've already triggered yeah. Article 50. The treaty says it lasts two years. There isn't a legal precedent to say it can be extended or be cancelled or revoked because nothing like this has ever happened before. What would happen well, to Article 50 and how would that work? I'm, I'm just well, saying, like, if we did vote remain, how could how could that actually uh, logistically work in legislation, in treaties? First, first of all, if that were happen, one would assume the government put forward a motion in Parliament to vote on remaining on the EU. Parliament votes on it now. If Parliament votes it up, goes to the Lords, the Lords approve it. We then notify the European Union... We are hereby unenabling, unactivating Article 50. If they say no, we very ironically take them through their own courts to, to get a, a verdict on it from the judges. If they say no, we appeal it. If they say no, we go, fine, if you are forcing us to leave, we shall. But we would like, then, if anything, we have more chips in our favour because we now know the true colours of the European Union. We'll get, right, we'll leave, but we want a refund from every single European project we're involved in because obviously you do not want us to remain, you do not want us to continue. But you, but again, you can't just cherry-pick a treaty because you're in a difficult position and you're going to lose out if you carry out that treaty condition article. It's just it just strikes me that the people who voted remain are kind of hurt that they never got that the result they wanted. People who voted leave um are, are kind of saying let's just crash out or let's have a deal anything is better than remaining. And and now there's this call for a people's vote. And like there wasn't the people's vote was never on the ballot paper. Like people say, like uh, people say, custom, leaving the customs union, legal, leaving the single market, leaving the e, ECJ was never on the ballot paper. That isn't why we voted leave. When I, when I ticked my cross on Remain, that wasn't, there was nowhere on that ballot paper on June 23rd, 2016, that said, we're going to have another people's vote. But in the general election 2017, 85% of votes went to parties which um, said we would leave the EU 
and the Conservatives got the most amount of votes and the most amount of MPs, short of a majority, but still the most, um, which said we're going to leave the customs union, the single market and the ECJ and the EU in its entirety. But where was the people's vote? On the ballot paper or in the general election last year? It wasn't. And, and fall in why, the can we not, again. <laughs> why can it not be added on? Why can we not have another piece of paper? Well, where's the mandate for a people's vote? Where, in 1975, where was it on that piece of paper said we're going to have another one in 43 years? Sorry, 40, 40, 41 at that ah, point. Ah, no, but they remained with the status quo. They they chose to stay. So th- that's, not, that's not a fair argument because they chose to have it remain... They chose to keep the status quo. We chose in 2016 as a country to buck that trend and go, no, we're not going to keep the status quo. So that's a that's a really unfair comparison and you, it, it's not... Not, not... not really, because it's comparing one referendum on European... Mem- Let's call it oh, completely. For the sake Mem- of argument, membership. European Union membership to another vote on European Union membership. I'm, I'm not. No, I'm not arguing that. But what I'm arguing is one chose to stay with the status quo, and the other didn't. So, but my, my point is that 43 years ago, in 1975, there was a referendum. People chose to to choose remain, and. People were fairly content with that. Otherwise, there would have been another referendum shortly afterwards. Um, I mean, maybe people weren't content, but the majority were. And then you, in 2016, yapping at the toes of the Conservative Party, you had Nigel Farage, actually pre-2016. And that's when Cameron went to the EU, tried to negotiate a better deal, came back, and this is what people forget as well. Came back, didn't quite get the response he wanted, then went to the country in a referendum. Um, people forget that actually Cameron tried to do this on his own first, <laughs> then came back and then went to a referendum. Um, it, my, my point is, like, no one did imagine in 1975 that there would be one in 2016, I'm sure... But you now, we've bucked the we've bucked the status quo. We've bucked the trend of staying in the EU. We need to leave first and then have another people's vote if we want to remain. Which is, I'm all for. I am all for reigniting this debate after we leave the EU in either March twenty nineteen or twenty twenty one after the implementation period. I'm all for having that debate again and I'm all for us saying, oh, okay, let's go, or let's try and go back in. Well, I think the issue here, though, it's not a lit- almost a matter of name only. There are going to be consequences in that implementation period and afterwards that are likely to have real-world effects. We- we've seen stories about running out of insulin, running out of medicine and fuel shortages, food shortages. The government is is releasing technical manuals to help businesses through because even they recognise there is going to be serious problems. 
Yeah, and now it, it's not just saying oh, it's, it, there's, a, there's a little pothole in the road. It's saying we're essentially going to be de- demolishing a, a fair chunk of our infrastructure. Uh, and there's a likelihood we might rebuild it in, in, in the future. Now, if the likelihood might be we're going to plan to rebuild it, surely you should ask, should we knock it down in the first place? Yeah, but we already did ask that. <laughs> we asked that effectively the people no we like effectively I, asked for planning permission like no but like i said earlier in 2017 we effectively had a version of a people's vote we had a general election where people decided that they would vote for a manifesto saying a certain thing and the conservatives came with the biggest vote share of the electorate and that was leaving the EU in all its entirety. And equally, equally, the electorate said to the Conservatives, we don't want you to form a government. Uh, they did. But unfortunately for Labour and Corbyn, they were over a million votes short. <laughs> so, well, I'm, I'm a popular vote. I, I, I'm not saying Labour should have won. Don't, I'm not saying Labour should be the government. What I'm saying is, the more people voted against the Conservatives than for them. Yes, completely. But by that case, SNP would have had a huge rise on MPs back to their 2015 levels, bearing in mind they lost about 13 MPs in 2017, I think. And you would have a very large surge in Liberal Democrats. Both of those who actually want to, want us to remain. So in the 2017 general election, yes, people didn't, uh, more people voted against the Conservatives than for, but actually, n- that doesn't translate into figures for Remain parties like the Scottish Nat- oh, Nationalists. No, 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 I'm not saying this. Them. All I'm saying is the majority of people voted against the Conservatives against their manifesto and ergo against their stance and stances for a deal but leaving the European Union. But only a, only a million votes behind were Labour who said we will leave the European Union. We will have a customs union but we will leave the European Union. Oh, they came second with a million votes behind the Conservatives. So my, my point is... If this people's vote, it's all about let's try and get a vote on the final deal, let's try and remain whatever you, however you want to package it up. We already had that in 2017 and overwhelmingly the electorate voted for parties which wanted to leave the EU in one way or another. Let, 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 let me ask you this question and I just want a yes or a no. Are MPs having a parliamentary vote on the final deal? Yes. Where does it say that? Well, that's a show, show, No, show me a statement from the government that used the specific words, a parliamentary vote on the final deal. Well, it's meaningful vote, isn't it? Uh, a meaningful say, a meaningful say. Not a meaningful vote, a meaningful say. So actually, there's no guarantee MPs are actually going to be able to have a vote on the final deal. So, 
to get a people's vote on the final deal is what as is which is they asking for is actually a guarantee of a vote on the final deal because currently we do not have that guarantee in the House of Commons. The meaningful vote is a common name given to section 13. The UK parliamentary approval of the outcome of negotiations with the EU and amendment to the European Withdrawal Act 2018. It, it is a requirement that the government of the United Kingdom bring forward an amendable parliamentary motion at the end of the Article 50 negotiations between the government and the European Union. It's in the European uh, Union Withdrawal Act. An act that barely scraped through? Barely scraped through, but is still legislation in this country and was still uh, given royal assent. Don't, you can argue it barely scraped through. I Let's not get into that. That's a whole different debate of whether uh, bills and acts that scrape through, are they actually, you know, should they be on the statute book because a majority vote or a large majority didn't want it. Um, let's not get into that. But the fact is it's still on the book, the statute books of the UK. That, the, that Parliament would Parliament would get an approval of the outcome. So, yeah, it's in the EU Withdrawal Act. It's funny because everyone... I, I remember it being called the EU Withdrawal Bill all the time. Um, and before that, the Great Repeal Bill, that went by the wayside very quickly. Um, but the, great, the Great Repeal Bill sounds like an odd name because if you were to rep repeal something, you were going to take it back. But in actual face, we're enacting stuff. We, we were putting a hell of a lot of stuff into our laws. We were inserting, not repealing. Yeah. It's a strange name. It, it's was, strange. A, <laughs> it was a strange name. Um, do you have anything to say about the parliamentary approval? It's still dubious. <laughs> no, it is, because the government is actually yet to completely get... I mean, there was such a debate over whether they going... MPs would get it. And then they accepted the compromise, and then the day later there was anguish over the compromise because there was hints from within the government that actually it might not be adhered to. We just told you that to get you to vote with us. I mean, the government have... Uh, let's not go into whether they stick to what they say. But the government have committed to giving MPs a vote on the final deal in Parliament. The government committed to a five-year term in Parliament. They changed that. <laughs> OK, all right. The government right. committed to a non-binding referendum. Oh, they made it legal. OK, so... I'm I'm very conscious that this is quite a long podcast, but it's great. It's a good debate, and it, it's one that needs to happen because it's it's very uh, hot in the political world at the moment, and also it it really does determine what future we have as a country. So, Duncan, in uh, two sentences, in twenty words, I'm going to give you twenty words. Can you? Uh, state what the possibility and the uh, reality of having a people's vote or not is in the UK before the March 29th 2019 before we leave you have 20 words 
go. Let's see is two. I'm joking. <laughs> a people's vote would enable the government to take the pulse of the people again. When we stand on the verge of the abyss, we see where the potential future of our country is or the potential downfall. Surely it is right to ask the people to commit or not to commit. Wow, I mean, that was slightly longer than 20 words, but that was the most statesmanlike speech I've ever heard on a people's vote. Um, wow, why aren't you Theresa May right now? I'm, I'm a bit more Churchillian than that. <laughs> cool. Well, Duncan, I mean... Uh, good luck trumping that statement, though. <laughs> uh, I've, I've glossed past it, mate. I've glossed past it. Um, Duncan, what do you what do you think of the debate we've had tonight? And have have I actually I, like you? You've informed me a lot, and although I haven't changed my core belief, um, I've actually been informed quite a lot about the different arguments for and kind of the wider um, spectrum, really, and wider uh, scenario of a potential for a people's vote or second referendum, but. Has that been reciprocated? Have you have you kind of learnt something new tonight, potentially? Nah, knew it all before. <laughs> no, but seriously, no, I have I have learnt a few new things. Good to sound out other people. But equally by deb- debating, not only do you take on board others' point of views, but you refine your own. You go, oh, that's an interesting point. Now, what is my stance on that? Because I hadn't thought about that. And then you, you adapt and you evolve and your thoughts, your thought processes, your logic sounding becomes more refined. And you end up with a more refined stance, a more informed stance. So I believe that any debate is a healthy debate and healthy debate is democratic and leads to a better future for not just the country but even at an individual level if you have the faculties to debate you're going to go very far in life because it is one of the most critical skills and a skill that we should make sure every child leaving our schools has going forward whether it be into university straight into the workplace the ability to debate separate fact from fiction objectivity from subjectivity and we go this is what I believe, but I'm going to hear what other people have to say and I'm going to debate them in agreeable terms. How can I top that off? <laughs> How can I top that off? You have literally just... I, that's, that honestly sounded like a speech from the 80s like I could, I could imagine you as Jeffrey Howe standing in the House of Commons on the day he basically took down Margaret Thatcher. Not comparing you to Jeffrey Howe, Margaret Thatcher, or the Conservative government of the eighties, but that statement, that speech you just gave, was so parliamentary, it was unreal. I mean, I'm sitting in my bedroom on a laptop listening to that and I feel like I've just been absolutely annihilated by you at the dispatch box of the House of Commons. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry, I've got away with words. You have, and you've got a certain way of saying those words and I when you listen back to this podcast, you'll notice that your complete tone 
your tone of voice completely changed when you started saying that. And you did. You became so statesmanlike and so parliamentarian. Um, it was weird. <laughs> I was saying we should separate that out as a sound bite and just put it out there. <laughs> I'm going to use that as a sound bite. I'm going to. I'm going to start picking bits out of Sug Sound episodes and using them as a, a sound bite. And I'm definitely using that. Now, talking of sound bites, um, I would say. And let's put a bit of a tongue-in-cheek spin on this. I would say there's one person who would suffer from a people's vote. Do you know who that is? Who? Brenda in Bristol. (laughs) Brenda in Bristol, if she suddenly knew that a people's vote was going to happen, she would probably be in recovery position and have a heart attack. Do we have the clip? We do have the clip. Let's play the clip. You're joking. Not another one? Oh, for God's sake, I can't honestly, I can't stand this. There's too much politics going on at the moment. Why does she need to do it? She says this will produce clarity. It it gets things out in the open, sorts things out. I thought she said that initially when she took over. You're joking. Not another one? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> is Brenda in Bristol still around? Not Is she dead? I mean, she might be dead. That's the whole point. Is she still around? I would love to go to Bristol and find out. Brenda, a people's vote might happen. You're joking. Not another one? I mean, come on. <laughs> That's one person who would suffer. If there, if there is an argument to not have a people's vote... In this country, before we leave the EU, it's Brenda. <laughs> so you can scrub the last hour we've had a, of a debate. It's Brenda. Brenda and, <laughs> and my future as a statesman. <laughs> and your future as a statesman. Excellent. Well, Duncan, thank you very much for being on Sug Sound. It's been great and I hope to have you back soon because it's been a really, really fantastic debate and I've, I've loved it. Thank you very much for having me. No worries. And that was Sug Sound. And yeah, please do tweet in your thoughts. Should we have another people's vote? Should we not? Whose side do you uh, agree with? You can you can vote Sug Sound Hugo or Sug Sound Duncan. Use the hashtag Sug Sound and vote. Who has the argument better? Who sounded more parliamentarian? And there you have it. An hour of a debate about a people's vote. Duncan pitching to become a parliamentarian. Brenda at Bristol, like, nearly having a heart attack, I suspect, right now. And, uh, yeah. If you are listening uh, at this moment, well done for getting through that. (laughs) No, it was a great episode and uh, I'd like to say a huge thank you to Duncan. And if you do want to see what he's up to, do follow him on Twitter. His handle is at Duncan Cushenan, D-U-N-C-A-N-C-U-S-H-E-N-A-N, Duncan Cushenan. You can find him on my Twitter feed as well if you completely missed that. Thank you so much for listening. Please do share, rate and subscribe and help other people find this podcast. 
do share it on your social media, do tag me in the post, do use the hashtag SugSound. Thank you so much, guys, and I will see you very soon. Please do join in the conversation on social media. Our hashtag is SugSound. Follow me on Facebook and Twitter at Hugo Sug. <laughs>